friends, we're back for another episode of Read, Return, Repeat, a Read ICT podcast. I'm Sarah Dixon. And I'm Daniel Peewee-Woody. Today we're going to take a deeper look at Category 6, a book about mythology or folk tales, and an episode titled A Story for Everyone. Our guest today is Kiowa Apache storyteller Thomas Yepaw. He goes by the pseudonym That Native Thomas. He's an author, screenwriter, and actor. He wrote the book The Last Pow Wow with Stephen Paul Judd. It's a book teeming with magical realism where nine seemingly separate stories dovetail in the end at the powwow of all powwows. We'll talk more about the book and dive into native folk tales and how they resonate in today's modern world. Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, Read, Return, Repeat. We're so excited. Welcome, Thomas. Hello. Uh, uh, so I'll go ahead and get started. So first of all, this category is about mythology and folktales. But how would you differentiate between mythology and folktales? Well, I haven't had a chance to look up the definitions of either one, but to my understanding, you know, um, folktales is more local stories, rather, you know, that kind of pass around, you know, like Bloody Mary, which is at every town across America, probably the world, you know, those kind of the folktales. But the mythology is, you know, how stars came to be, you know, stories revolving around creation, you know, more important stories as far as folktales are more just life lessons. And um, I think mythology is more rooted in belief. But, you know, I mean, it's it, it can cross over as well, too. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of the, uh, especially Native Americans with our mythology, you know, it's, it's different on every tribe. So it's hard to imagine, you know, 200 something, 250 different views upon how you know the world was created and uh so that that's the mythology but then you go into tribes and they all have their own little folk tales like you know the inuits up in north you know have um i think i saw a movie with a runner they have their those stories that they tell for certain reasons you know to teach a, a life lesson within their community in which that one was about you know um betrayal not not betraying family it's, you know keeping family first that's that's why were my two definitions I think are different. Ah, that's really interesting. So uh, why do you think that folk tales and mythology and these things, they resonate so deeply with people? I think it's just our need to, um, I think we inherently have a need to hear stories and know stories in our lives. You know, we actually go out and seek them. And then not only, and if we can't seek them, we can't find them. We, we tend to go out there and live them, you know? And, you know, truthfully, that's what we are. We're just all a living story. When, you know, we're all buried beneath the earth. You know, there's the story of us. Kind of like, you know, I think the play Hamilton plays, you know, at the end. Who's going to tell your story? You know, I always like that oh, song. Yeah. I thought that was a good concept. You know, it's like, yeah, we are just what we are. We're living stories. So, yeah, we're going to be drawn to stories, especially stories of the unknown, you know, like uh, mythology stories, which are rooted in belief. So there's no really telling if it's true or not. You know, we don't know if Zeus is alive or, you know, or made up, you know, we don't know any of these mythologies, you know, even our stories, you know, Dare Lady, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people have their same with Bigfoot, you know, we have our, if we believe it or we don't believe it, you know, it's, but you know, a lot of us have different stories we resonate toward too, depending on our lifestyles, you know, like me, I, I resonate toward all true crime, even though I don't write true crime, but that's, that's what I like to, really watch and it teaches me life lessons because I get myself in really bad predicaments or used to in really bad settings so you know watching those shows I know what to watch out for you know and so you know they they all serve purpose I think every story does in a way and, you know I hope I hope you know that's, that's my my um drive I guess is that every story's got to teach something you know or you got to you want to walk away and just I want to be I want people when I tell a story that they think about it later on you know or mention it to somebody what do you think about this you know because i like to try to get people thinking and um differently and <clears throat> but yeah i mean that we're all we all we all are attracted to stories because we are stories you know and, and in the end that's what this, this whole world is you know we had the dinosaurs before us you know we don't know too much of their story but they lived the story here you know and now we're kind of profiting off of that too but you know we're Generation, generations now, you know, people want to talk about us and this whole, especially this whole pandemic thing we just went through. That's right. a whole big story. That's what our generation will probably be known for, you know. 
going through that. But yeah, I mean, that's, 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 that's where I see the two coming together and being attracted to each other. It's just, we are stories and we, and we love stories. That's you know, interesting. Like, I mean, yeah. you're, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to talk right. over you. I just, I see, you know, I think when I think of folk tales, it's um, these, uh, they are the stories, but uh, they're not, our, they're not like, they are our stories, but they're not like, I don't know. I guess I see them as um, I've always kind of held them in a different category. And so I like how you're framing it is what I'm trying to say very poorly. Um, so yeah, I'll leave it at that. So um, I was going to ask a question. So like, I feel like um, these traditional stories are starting to kind of be showing up in different forms now, film and television. And do you feel like you're still impactful for the world through these lenses? Like, I know like TikTok, you see a lot of like native TikTokers telling the traditional stories and things. And do you feel that these are things that's happened, this has happened because we were still learning from these stories or what, what do you feel about like the increased resonance of the last few years? I want to say we're still learning from them. I mean, we are still learning from them, but they're just, just increasingly high demand for them right now. We're running out of them. And you can see that watching TV and seeing, oh, they're remaking that. Oh, they're remaking that. Oh, they really are out of, they really are out of ideas, you know? I especially saw when I saw that dang Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reboot. And I was I like, oh. like, are they really doing this? <laughs> so like, I got the same thing. <laughs> are we that dire for stories, you know? That we're That's like a drama, take, I think. That, yeah, that we're going to take an old story and then change yeah. the genre of it. You know, it's like, well, what, what's next now? You know, we're going <laughs> to do Martin, the serious Martin. <laughs> Gina. <laughs> I guess if you think about that too, with like how we've had a tough time finding traditional storytellers, like one group in town disbanded, two were too like advanced in age and had like health issues and things, and like we're like you said, we're running out of stories, but we're also running out of storytellers. Like, how do you That's feel this true. is something? How do you feel this is something that like indigenous cultures can like fight fight against? Like, what are methods and ways of just telling the stories, or do you think there's more to that? Hmm. That's a really good point you just put up. I mean, as far as running out of storytellers, because um, that is true. You know, I mean, we do have an insurgence uh, of, you know, screenwriters coming up right now. And they're actually doing it pretty good now, opposed to what they did in the past. And, you know, we got their, their marketing good enough that we're there's a demand for our stories now. And um, but we just got to be good at telling them right and telling them, you know, not letting the Hollywood get the best of us, basically, because they will rearrange the stories they will make them more commercial and because i went you know I, I did my stint through hollywood back in uh 2005 and, and you know i got to see what it was really like and i didn't like it I, I walked away from it and um and i actually stopped writing for almost almost 10 years because it it totally uninspired me as a writer and a storyteller that and i got caught up in it too i was i was on the verge of basically selling my soul when i i, I didn't do it i didn't want to do it and I, i'd rather at that time, I wanted to be a dad, a father, more than I wanted to be a screenwriter or movie maker or whatever I was trying to be. But uh, yeah, with the demand now, you know, it's like, uh, but I hope everybody, you know, really puts work into it to really, you know, not just succumb to what they want and, you know, try to please, please. And I think it's why we haven't really been uh, reached out to because we won't give our stories up so easily. You know, mm -hmm. we never would. And um, a lot of them we can't tell. Like, like I have stories in my tribe that I have told in one of my books, but it wasn't when I, I created a new story of this character. But there's certain stories we only tell in the wintertime, uh, certain stories we only tell in the summertime. So some people will say, you know, hey, you can't tell that story. You know, you can't put it on TV because people watch it all year long. And, you know, and you're missing up, you know, the medicine behind it and the strength behind it and the power behind it. And you're just basically just throwing it out to the world for them to use it up any way they want and do whatever they want with it. And um, so like the is really protective of the stories, but now there's, you know, now we're all getting out there and I'm hoping everybody does it right and does it, does their um, work into telling the best story possible rather than what's going to sell a million dollars or what's going to sell marketing time for these TV shows, you know, and it's a hard, you know, that's the business of, you know, movie making and TV, it's art and business collision and, and it's just, it's a heck of a thing to do. And it's good to watch, though. I'm glad I'm in the background and not in the forefront. Because I remember I, I did want to be in the forefront when I was in Hollywood the first time. But now, now I'm glad I didn't because I would have failed and probably crashed badly. Well, I wouldn't have crashed bad. I just would have 
bad. I had my stories back then were bad. And, you know, I, I've changed, you know, I'm telling good, better stories now. So I didn't like, I, you know, I, I won't even touch the stories I had back then because they, they were all rooted in me trying to be, you know, explicit and this and that, you know, just to, and plus my upbringing. So I do you better, feel that as you get older, your style is developed, like not just like on the pen and paper, but also like when you tell these stories, like in an oral traditional sense or like, like how do you, and when that happens, do you, do you feel like this? there's variations between the, how you tell the story now versus like when you heard it before? Like, just how's your style changed? Do you feel? Yeah, and um, it comes more easier to me. I'm actually almost kind of freaked out sometimes and um, how easily it comes to me because uh, it's like the other day, I, I mean, I was writing on a script um, just the other day and uh I had to come up with the creation story, or I had to come up with like a little story, the native tale, you know. And I, I came up with one called "How Snake Lost His Legs," and then I came up with this whole story behind it, and it came really easily. And I was really shocked. I was like, "Man, that's a, it's almost like a creation story." And I came up with it pretty fast. And um, I guess, I guess it, to me, it's just more about I trust my instincts more now. As far as when I was younger, I'd always try to find a better way, and I always try to manipulate the stories better, and always I was really always shooting for shock value rather than to really teach people and I always wanted to do I was looking to do something different in every story if you ever read my first book it's called the book the ex Indian Chronicles every story in there I met I wrote in a different style so that it could be studied and people see how you can write die you know write a whole story just using dialogue write you know writing stories missing with the sequence of time and, you know, and, and being a, and doing a clever way of doing it, you know. And um, so, yeah, you know, back then I was really into groundbreaking, you know, trying to groundbreak stuff. Now I'm not so much about groundbreaking. Now I just want to tell a good story. I want to see people smile, laugh, cry or be scared, you know, because I tell all genres. Uh, you know, now I'm more geared toward um, the audience walking away happy and remembering the story rather than being shocked by it and appalled by it. Because, you know, my first... My first um, short film was a film about these, um, which I, which the a girl in Wichita played the played my wife in it, and um, mm -hmm. Sarah Sarah Baker, I think's her name, and um, she went to high school with me. But it's about a group of guys who celebrate Columbus Day every year by killing a white guy, and it was a real harsh story. And, but but he falls in love with a white girl at college, and he comes back one year to practice tradition, but he has to hide his girlfriend from his friends. But they discover it and he has to choose love or hate and he chooses love and then they end up beating him really bad because of it. And uh, But he chooses love, you know. So from the beginning, I was always trying to, you know, get shock appeal. And that, that film I made for really not, not almost nothing. I didn't even know how to make films. And then it went all over the film festival circuit. People were like, and that was weird because people were either really loved it or really hated it. I, mean, I was watching people walk out, get up and walk out like after the first five minutes. And um, and I, I used to be proud of that, you know. And I was like, um, but now I don't shoot for that. Now I'm like, you see, my my last short film, it's about you know horror film, and it's just about teaching you not things are not to do. Um, with that particular film, I did a horror film. Not Indians, I believe you don't. Children don't leave their favorite toy outside, and if they do, you don't bring it back in because the spirit attaches to it because it's more it's so dear to that child that it knows it can get to that child through that toy. And so I made a little short film about that and. And that, that's the, you know, power stories to teach, you know, so I guess, you know, aged, I'm more, I, I guess I'm built more to teaching and, and more a uh, good story rather than shock value and trying to get my name out there. You know, again, I guess ultimately that was the, probably the ultimate goal of me doing that shock value stuff early on, which is to build my name up. I just got to say, Chief, the, the world's best res dog was in uh, the, the chapter in a, uh, in the last power like i cried at the end of that i love that story like the dog like for the listeners there's a dog who has like lived like he he gets cursed by a deer woman i believe and he becomes immortal so he protects this town and it's just like the story of this dog this res dog and like how he protected his people and continues to protect and it's like it was a great story and i think that's like do you like adding new characters or do you like developing these stories and hoping that they continue like through other people, you know, like in traditional ways, or do you just, when you make these new characters, are you just doing them for the book? Or do you like also tell these stories in other like ways? 
I try to tell them much as possible. I like that's that's a good thing I like about you know the way I, I approach art is I am um, I can do all mediums. I started in acting, then I went to directing, then I went to writing. I do editing. I edit everything. I score all my films. So I wrote. I write music, and um, I do poetry. I used to. I was poetry slam champion down there in Kansas for a while, um, around Lawrence, Kansas, and Kansas City area. Uh, so I do all mediums basically. So uh, so it's really good when I create characters because you know I can't take I can't take um, them to different different um, mediums like poetry. Or in my book, uh, which you will see a lot of crossovers in the future when I do come up with my next book. It's already written. I just gotta, I'm just trying to figure out if I want to self-publish it or look for a publishing company. But um, with Chief, Chief wasn't my creation. Chief, Chief was uh, kind of my creation. Um, my co-author came up with the idea we should do a story about a res dog, and I was just jogging one day, and it all came to me. And uh, I was like, yeah, this dog has a war bonnet that's tied to his head that it can't get off, you know, and it's got three legs and it's got three legs to give other beings a chance because it's so powerful and strong. And, and yeah, and you know, that my co-author didn't want me to kill him at the end. And I was like, well, I, you know, it's, well, I shouldn't do that. It's a spoiler, spoiler alert, but yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, it is a say, even he, even he uh, kind of tear I was telling him, yeah, I'm kind of, he dies at the end. I was telling him how the story goes. He's like, what? Can't do all that and just have him die. And I was like, well, you know, people got to die in a story or his book. And he's going to be a casualty. But uh, yeah, I mean, um, creating characters are really fun, cause especially with that one, I want to say, because when I was writing a script for him, I, was, I got to tell more of the chief story about how he got the war bonnet on his head. There's a lot more to it. And then I about his and then in a script, he's more militant. He's very he's very militant in the way he he talks more in a script. And um, so, yeah, to really get to know these characters and spend time with them and then watch them, you know, now that I can jump them from novel to script or to whatever, you know, I decide, you know, it's uh, it's, it's really good. I mean, the characters to me are are real people, and um, almost you know, in my mind, it's like uh, it's like Chief. I know exactly what Chief looks like. You know, I mean, it's when I write stories with him, I'm actually sitting in a room wherever he's at with with this with my characters I write, and um, that one's always a fun one to write write about. And I'll, I'll actually write stories about you just to kind of even be. And it's pre- presence of that character, you know, just because I like it. And I'll do that with other characters I have too, as well. Stories that I'll never, you know, see the light of day, I'll, I'll write just for my pleasure, basically, to really get to know these characters. Because I don't know, in a way, I have a feeling I'll, I'll, I'll have to write for them again later, which, I, you know, I might with Chief and a couple other ones. Let's take a short break and then uh, we'll come back. We'll talk more about your book um, and a little bit more about traditional storytelling um so we'll be right back all right the wichita public library has entered the world of streaming with canopy library card holders can now access canopy's massive collection of movies tv shows and educational content from the great courses there's content for children adults and foreign language options too Cardholders get seven free checkouts a month, and Canopy's constantly updating their library, so there's always something new to watch. To find out more, please visit wichitalibrary.org slash canopy, K-A-N-O-P-Y, Canopy, just one of the many services provided to you from the Wichita Public Library. And we're back. You're listening to Read, Return, Repeat. We're here with that native group. With that name of Thomas. Thomas, you've written a book. Tell us about The Last Powwow that you wrote with Stephen Polchuk. Last Powwow is basically um, it's a book of nine journeys. People going to this powwow, this mysterious powwow that uh, they find out only allows full bloods into it. Full blood Native Americans, mixed bloods can't get into it. So the mixed bloods protest it. But um and it shows that it's kind of a uh, government conspiracy at the end, you know, you you find that. And but it's all the spiritual, you know, and um all the traditional stuff of different tribes, you know, every nine all those nine characters, they're all from different tribes. Uh we I try to put something notable in native culture throughout it all. I mean, we were talking about earlier, uh, 
all the big powwows are, are named in there. Um, all the ma- main big myth- mythology figures that we have are, are in the powwow, are in the last powwow. Uh, issues regarding um, native issues are in the powwow, are in the last powwow, and our end of one of our biggest end of prophecy, end of times prophecies is in there as well. And um, one chapter is actually straight fiction. I don't know if you got to that chapter yet or not. But it's I'm not, about, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I hadn't actually about how yeah Abraham Lincoln had, you know, it was a 27 Dakota Warriors hanging. It was the biggest mass hanging in America. So, you know, as, so as bad as, you know, America wants to portray Abraham Lincoln as his, you know, savior. No, he was not. He, he still didn't see Native Americans as human beings. He was one of the presidents that did a, did a lot of bad to Natives, natives as well. And uh, so it's like, I don't need to tell, you know, that just kind of exposes that. And it's implemented into the story, you know, why, why this why this story is taking place at where it's taken and why it's taking place and what what past trauma, you know, generational trauma has caused all of this. And, you know, uh, but that's basically how the last powwow is, what it's about. It's, I try to I try to make one of the, me and Steve try to write the most one of the most native books ever written basically is what kind of one of our goals, I guess it was, you know, when people look at this, read this book, say, man, that was a native book, you know, they, I mean, it's <laughs> real stuff there, you know, I think one story we talk, tackle meth addiction, you know, oh. the characters, moms hooked on meth, you know, and, and, um, you know, like that resonates on a lot of reservations, you know, and everyone's been through that or some, a lot of our native people have been through that. No, no characters like that, you know, and, so, you know, we, so we try to keep it real as possible. And, you know, and then we do the spiritual with the stories, you know, with this girl who has butter ghost of butterflies coming out of her mouth, you know, and, and I think we do a good that with telling like a mythology, mythology story, you know, and so we, it's a weird balance. It's some stories are funny, some are romantic, some are scary, um, some are dramatic, some are very traditional. So, you know, it'd, it'd be hard to really put the book on, you know, a genre. I, I wouldn't. I think it's just Native American literature is all I could really describe it as. So when you were, um, so the last time was set during like modern times, like 21st century, but it features a lot of traditional characters. Were there concerns about contemporizing those characters? And did you do any research to prepare for this? And um, were there other examples that you consider before, like, have you seen it like this done, like in any other like place that, that might've inspired you, I guess? Hmm. I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, I was talking about groundbreaking, you know, in my early in my career, I wanted to be a groundbreaker. And I think that's where this one is. Um, I don't think I've ever read a, read a book like it or was trying to be like another book either as well. And um, contemporary, that's kind of my thing. I, I think mixing um, contemporary stories with old stories. I've, I've, I've always done that. Um, like telling a, you know, version of a trickster where the trickster is a man rather than a coyote, you know, I've done that kind of type of story before. And I had the privilege uh, to work with Stephen Paul Judd, which, you know, he, his art does as well, you know, mixes contemporary with old stuff. And, um, he's really good at doing that. And so to have his eye and to have him use his eye to his brain to tell, you know, to, to try to put that into a story wise, because Chief's kind of his thing. It's his, um, brainchild, you know, and, and a couple other characters in there. And to you know be able to bring them alive and make them contemporary was really it's it's kind of hard and kind of you know it's a balance. How much knowledge do we give this person of traditional beliefs, and how much does he believe it? How much is you know he he is he going to want to you know go to Taco Bell rather than you know eat a traditional meal of this and that? You know, coming out straight out sweat meat. You know, going to Taco Bell Bell rather than waiting for you know elders to cook a meal or people and families to cook a meals and. There's different stuff you have to really pay attention to, I guess. And um, I think with the last power, I think we did a really good job. You know, like I said, uh, we we put them in different settings, every character. And uh, a lot of them, almost all of them are contemporary. And we pull it off really well, I think. And, um, as far as, you know, being modern Native American storyteller, I think all of us have to learn how to do that. You know, I'm seeing that even on the TV shows going out right now. Native's doing, you know, they're they're being forced to make us contemporary and and we can adjust it, you know. I mean, it's part of the storytelling process is, you know, where you're going to put your character and uh, how you want to make this character thrive. I think my my biggest issues with mine is cell phones, you know, because, you know, you 
truthfully, if you want to be truthfully about a modern story right now, you have to put in there that they checked their cell phone or they saw this on their cell phone and everything. But, you know, as a writer, you don't really think of that. You know, you want, it's cooler when a character just finds out something through doing it or showing it, you know, and that they're not finding out by a text message or seeing a video online, you know, but that sooner or later has to seep in our writing, you know, and I'm, and it's seeping on TV now because now you're seeing shows where they do the text message and they write it across the screen, you know. So, so I'm like, oh, a script. They wrote that in the script, you know, to, to be shown, you know. So I, I was like, people are doing it. And that's uh, that's the only trouble I have with making it contemporary is just remembering stuff like that, you know. That oh yeah, we got to bring them back to the real age. You know, I'm still trying to bring my characters in the '90s. And, you know, I, need to, <laughs> <laughs> I need to I need to move them up a couple of decades, you know. Like, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a good balance and good. And it can actually help the story because you can find a new way of telling that story when you have a car to use or something modern uh-huh. and, uh, or a modern even belief system, which I'm finding a lot of. I mean, I like this really cool story. I, I can't tell it, but I'm kind of working on my head right now. It's, it's kind of involves that to where it's like, oh, how do I do something in modern age? And um, but it's an old story and um, it's challenging, but it's fun, too. So yeah, no, we'll just, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Just giving me lots to think about. Um, and I, you know, I'm excited to read the book. I'm going to just go ahead and put, throw it out there. We're um, going to have a couple of copies of The Last Palo in our collection. So, um, you know, if we have convinced you to read this book so far, uh, then hopefully you'll come and check it out from us. Um, that was to our listeners, Thomas. I didn't actually say that. That's not to you. <laughs> But you can come check it out from us, too, if you want. Um, Okay, so often in this tradition of storytelling, people will include art, they'll include music and dance. Um, Why do you think that it's so important to include that performative aspect um, to the story? I think that's the same reason why, you know, um, why we have different places to shop, different places, you know, different clothes to buy. We all have different tastes. Mm -hmm. And um, storytelling is entertainment, you know. Uh, Some people like to be entertained by stories being told within their music like broadway musicals um some people like to be entertained by stories told in dance and uh which same way musicals uh powwows uh i really like it when i go to powwows and they you know they tell a certain certain dance that tells a certain story um those are really good to watch and you know really hard to catch these days because you know storytellers are becoming less and less and um you don't see it you don't really see it too much anywhere where you see an elder just sitting around telling stories and people watching and i you know i was telling my wife i think a couple of weeks ago I, I miss you know my aunts were really masters at doing that with us growing up they would implement you know slamming doors without us knowing it you know getting ready you know having it ready and they had the whole scary thing down you know one would be outside banging on ready to bang on a the window there and part of the story and so really, you know, to add the, the other elements into it, I guess a sense, you know, you get the mm-hmm. sense of hearing, the sense of dance, you know, and um, I mean, like I said, I make music too. So it really is healing for me to make music as I write. I actually, like when I write in screenplays, I'm usually, when I'm about to write a scene, I'll usually write the music for that scene, even though I'm, if I'm never going to ever direct it, I'll never no chance to direct it. I still would like to know what that music in that scene would sound like. And um, and it helps me write that. Then I'll record it and then I'll just listen to that little loop of whatever I made as I write that scene. And, you know, it actually gives me kind of a score to the writing as well. And I do that a lot. And, um, and I, you know, I like, like I went and watched, uh, I went to a native comedy show this past weekend. They had a, a native singer there named Tia Wood or Neo Wood, one of the two, but she would tell stories as she sang and, you know, where the story, where this song came from, where, you know, it came from, you know, how she was feeling on the res and this and that. And then the hair, to hear her put that experience into words, into music is like ultimate gratification of hearing a story, you know, and um, ultimately they're, they're made to entertain. And that's like ultimate form of entertaining when you can sing and dance and song. And, you know, for as long as, you know, all, all of our cultures have have dance and song. So it's part of who we are as human beings. We have this need to um, express ourselves through just dancing to music and, you know, make sure our bodies and our minds feel free, least stress, you know, I'm sure it has something to to do with our biology too as well you know it kind of helps in a way like uh like i remember um well this is getting off subject but I, that's okay go ahead i went, I went to a um puberty right dance one time where they were doing a a woman was just in there dancing the whole you know two days three days straight however long they do it and they danced a certain way and i was like what's what's going on there you know and and, and you know it was real intriguing to me but it's like oh they dance like that because it helps her build her muscles up and her oh. Um, inner thigh area or whatever and 
she's going to be ultimately later on in life is going to help her in childbirth. And um, so this is kind of her way, you know, our way of getting her muscles ready and knowing her, you know, getting her ready for puberty and motherhood and all that. And I thought, that's weird, you know, so we have dance to really teach us how to do things like that and prepare us for life. And some of our powwow songs or powwow dances do do that. You know, we have uh, like little kids dances that teach us not to talk to strangers. Um, and then you have war dances when you're ready, you know, the warriors are ready to go out to war. They're, they're showing their dance moves off to their, to their families and to the tribe and everyone else, you know, they get the, they're ready for war and they're celebrating it. And, you know, it just gets just part of our culture, you know, I mean, even, even now as we watch TV, you know, watching Stranger Things last night, you know, I recognize things like the score, yeah. you know, and, um, Anytime, you know, they throw dancemen in there, they will. And it's, it's fun to watch. It's even fun to watch, you know. It's just a form of entertainment, just like storytelling. It keeps us going day by day. And, you know, somewhere in our culture, we it's part of who we are, part of what we do for fun. I don't know why I like to do it, but I'll, I'll, I'll shake a leg here and there. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like cathartic in a way, probably. Especially if it does enhance my storytelling, because I like, I like to get really involved you know it's part of kaiwa's you know our tribe we're, we're known for telling stories and we use our hands and we do we go crazy if you ever see this movie called a uh, dream catcher i think it was no dream keeper where they tell those stories it's an old native movie with the one yeah i see yeah that. they, they yeah. do a kaiwa one but in the kaiwa one uh, they're, they're all like going crazy with their hands and how they're telling stories and talking i'm like I remember uh, I was telling someone when I was watching, I was like, do we really, you don't really talk like that? You know, as I was, as I was telling them that we didn't talk like that, I was doing it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of like, with, like, you have that whole aspect of, like, dancing and TikTok and things now. Like, dan- dancing, just like, like, these, like, storytelling, it's like, you see a lot of that happening, too. With, t- with TikTok, it's going to be happening a lot more with storytellers. So the future storytellers are going to have to implement that, you know? And telling shorter stories, basically. <laughs> so I, yeah, right, you know. in, a, in a tiny little, like, nugget. Um, so speaking of TikTok and moving these stories online, um, I mean, you know, so it's, it's a new format. It's a new digital age. Although it's like we've, we've been doing this for a little while now, so I don't know if it's a new digital age. But um, do you think it's possible to come up with new stories? Like, have all the stories already been told? You know, and and... I would say that a lot of stories are even, you know, we were talking about, what are we talking about? Well, one where it was like um, just remaking it and remaking it and remaking it with a new spin. Oh, Fresh Prince. Yeah. Right. Like, are there any other new stories out there? Well, when I, I remember I was in Hollywood, you know, getting really, um, I won a fellowship at ABC Disney, you know, and they went down there and they trained me, high, you know, gave me probably the highest type of training for a screenwriter can get you know i mean i was in front of the ceos of disney and abc and they put us in rooms with big people and um and let the big people teach us whatever we wanted to learn or what we had questions with and um one of the interesting things one of them told me i remember was there's only three stories you can tell that's um i can't even remember what they were it's like stranger comes to town stranger leaves town and uh, I think Boy Meets Girl, I think it was something like that. It was like three of them. Was like Falls in love with Stranger. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And then I started breaking down my stories, seeing if they fit one of those three categories. And just about all of them did. And I was huh. like, oh, there might be something right to that. <laughs> but yeah, so, and I guess so, so to me, there's not, there's probably not new stories, but I, unless we get into, you know, conspiracy theories to where you know aliens are going to come to earth and start and then we get to learn their stories and that's probably what we'll do too we'll want to know their story <laughs> hey what's your story because we're six new stories you know yeah we got all we got all the stories around here on earth what do y'all got going on up there you know <laughs> kind of conflicts do y'all have you know well then it's still a stranger coming to town so yeah <laughs> it is and it's like uh but I guess it's just new ways of telling it. And, that, and that's even getting harder these days. You know, it's like, wow, how do you, you know, that, that's where this, you know, like I took, like I say, the demand for Native American stories, because it's, they, they, they believe it's a new way of telling stories or just new stories, but it's kind of the same. But uh, like I said, it just, but just different way of telling it, our way of telling it, where we kind of held the spiritual side and, you know, the importance of 
the land and animals and our connection with it. And I think people, and you know, hopefully that'll help, you know, getting our stories out there where we can put that out there more, especially with climate change going on, you know, like, Hey, you know, we've, we've been telling these stories a lot. You know, I was watching a fire documentary last night about when paradise, this town paradise in California went on the flames and we, we moved here to the Oregon coast because the smoke got so bad in the Southern Oregon that we, you know, I probably, you know, my, I was, my breathing was affected by it. And, um, and everything, but uh, I was watching uh, that fire documentary. Damn, I got off story again. <laughs> <laughs> but I was watching it. What was I saying about before that? Into... You were talking about the new ways to tell stories. Yeah. Well, we could just go to the next. Oh, it was, it was uh, the, the way the way natives did it. You know that we it was for a reason. You know they're speaking these new stories, and then climate change is what I was talking about. And then I was watching watching them. Um, on that show last night and you know the natives even way before colonizers came had way had a system to you know do all these small brush fires around their communities mm-hmm. so that when fires come it didn't jump into their communities they had a certain certain way but when colonizers came they saw them just burning up land thinking hey i was just burning up land i need to stop doing that and made them stop and outlined it and that's part of where you know a lot of these fires are just getting out of control because especially killing you know demolishing these towns because they're not building a little protective area around it even when they're asked to do it because i was watching the documentary the, the town had to vote on it to have make it a law to do it all the townspeople vote against it you know it's like mm. yeah you know you know but these but these were stories that you know they, they even saying you know there's people been doing this for a long time for to keep the you know the fires at bay and you know helps fight fire force fire and they had different ways of fighting it too natives did back in the old days and i spent some time down there to know about that you know but it's but they, they it all passed down through their their stories and it's even within their stories of how they do it you know they don't even write it down they just know how to do it and you know so stories you know it has a big impact on the world and us you know and then um finding new ones is yeah that's why we watch that's why we watch tv and that's why we waiting on the next tv should great tv show you know and just just to kind of and it's also a social thing we all want to be in a loop and be able to talk to people about the stories that we saw you know the, the new story that everyone's looking for that everyone thinks is new but it's you know stranger things is basically the same thing every season <laughs> why people don't see that you know every marvel movie is the same you know it's like why you know i stopped watching them. i got so 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 formulatic you know so yeah just the formula just so i can guess everything you know no when something's coming. No when I need to go bathroom because you know. All right, this is what <laughs> this is where they slow down things down for fifteen minutes and you know. So yeah, it's we strive to you know. I, I don't. I just think there's new ways of telling stories. Not not, not new. In a way, in a way, I guess in a way you can say there's new stories. And if you if you never knew that character, if you never heard of that character, um, there can be new stories that way. Because we all don't know each other, and we're never going to all know each other. You can always create a new character that that can make you want to follow that character through the journey, you know. And but then, you know that 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 comes into characterization more than storytelling, though. That's a whole different thing. That's how I feel about that. Do you have any advice for anyone listening that might like want to be a storyteller, like things they can do to be a good storyteller? Um, yes, write, 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 and redraft, redraft, redraft. Like my first book, uh, you're reading the 24th draft of it. The last powwow, you're reading the 13th draft. I know I should have done 20 at least, but I was kind of excited. I shouldn't, you know, I jumped the gun on that one. Um, we both did, me and my co-author. We, But, you know, it's still um, doing what it does, you know, and uh, still, still selling copies and Still getting out there, and it's in classrooms where I wanted to be. That that was my biggest goal was to get in classrooms too, to teach native students how you know. Because I, I I took writing classes and uh and I got to see how different stories were written. It, it was mind blowing to me that I didn't have to, it wasn't it didn't have to be a certain amount of pages. It didn't have to be you know this and that. I could do anything you know, and uh so I kind of hope to do the same with the last powwow. Inspire, inspire the great Native American writer that's going to come out pretty soon. It's not going to be me. It's, it's not anyone out there right now, but they're on their way up. And I hope the last power is in their curriculum of things they've read, they've, they've read when they do make it. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, thank you so much. This was just a real pleasure to uh, talk to you, kind of dive into your brain a little bit. Is there a place that people can access your or what? 
No, 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 that's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Keep asking. Is there a place that people can uh, check you out, like YouTube, your website? Um, yeah, if you go to YouTube, uh, I got two different channels. Just type in that Native Thomas. Uh, like I said, one of the channels is my new stand-up comedy character I created. I I was experimenting. I lo- upload a lot of videos of that, and uh, that's going to be used for the future reference. I'm still not done with that. Taking a break from it though, and uh, then you'll see another that Native Thomas channel where it's all my old short films. Um, and I kind of in the description you can actually read how I made each one of them because I actually wanted to kind of people to use it to kind of learn how to make films i did it without knowing nothing because i'm a self-taught filmmaker i'm a self-taught screenwriter um and i'd had to learn for nothing now and, and i basically luckily i was an actor first because really in reality i was just acting like i knew how to direct i acting like i knew how to make film and and you know and it's basically i wouldn't comfortable until my like, fifth short film they actually call myself a director even though the films i made before them and went all over the country, but I still didn't feel comfortable holding the camera. And um, hopefully you see Last Pal on a TV show soon. You know, we're working on yeah, awesome. by two, two big production companies, uh, Bad Robot and Monkey Paul, which is Jordan Peele's company. Uh, they're both interested in optioning it. Um, we're uh, trying to decide which one to go with and which That's one. Awesome. Is, yeah, which congratulations. One more serious about getting out to everybody you know so oh, yeah you ain't seen the last of the last powwow and um <laughs> so it's and then and, and hopefully we're gonna reboot it to be uh released again too as well that's another thing we're working on and i did the uh, audio book for it so you can catch it on audio book as well you can hear my voice um it isn't as it is as deep and dark as i thought it was i was thinking mm-hmm. i remember going into that sound booth thinking i was gonna sound like the uh, dark deep voice guy from boys of the man but um <laughs> No, I don't sound like that. I don't sound like I thought I sounded so. <laughs> I saw like on reviews, people were saying like he needs to do more audiobooks. Like, like people were really impressed with your book. Like on the Audible reviews, people were really impressed with your voice. Like, That's good because I ain't read any of that. I have to check it out. It might inspire me. <laughs> I, I actually, I actually do have one. I'm, I'm about to release on there now. With I could use this. It's a short story I did called The Black TP which I think I posted on my um, Facebook and um, it's on that YouTube channel. And I think about it and, uh, but I'm actually about to put it into um, audio book form, even though it's only like 10 minutes, um, but it's a scary, but a lot of people heard that and said it was really scary and they really thought it, they really liked it for Halloween. So I'm going to try to get it right. I'm, I'm trying to teach myself how to upload audio books into um, uh, audible. So that's going to be my first uh, test to see if I can, I already have it recorded and everything. I just got to upload it. And um, then I then I know, I because I do have my own publishing company, um, Hostile Publishing, which I released the last power on. And I hope to release more stuff. And that's why I'm I'm learning because I have some children's book on, as e-books through my production company right. no one talks about called The Underwear War Party, Underwear Boy War Parties. And um, kind of like Captain Underpants, but native version where you can read it. And it has all the sound effects to make as you read it. When if you read it to your kid, It'll say make a blow up sound here or something like that, you know, and they're really good children's books that I mainly just created to see if I could make ebooks, learn how to make ebooks. And so now with this black TP, I'm doing the same for audio books. I'm learning how to make audio books. And that way, I, when it comes down to it, I don't have to rely on a publisher to steal all my stuff and own my rights, because that's the biggest concern of myself publishing, because I don't want people to own my rights. Because my first book, I don't have no rights to, you know, or I, I did acquire the TV rights and the ebook rights recently or. I did require them, but um, I want to be able to own my own all all rights. Just like, just like the last panel, we can turn TV show and do whatever we want without answering to nobody right now, you know. And I like that feeling. So these production companies, I like are liking working with us with this because there's no middleman, you know. So we can. It's like me and Steve own these rights to these stories. These are our stories, and that's where I'm trying to get onto my publishing company. I don't have to do that, and and not. Help other natives don't have to worry about that too, because it is a big ordeal, especially with the high demand for native stories right now. They're going to try to steal your stories and they're going to try to steal your rights, you know? So we need people like me that kind of know a little bit about it, help other people, you know, watch watch your stuff, because Hollywood, that's how it runs. They buy, they buy your, your rights to your stories and everything. So you have to watch it. Think about that before you sign that contract. Yeah. Thank you so much again. 
Did you know that the Wichita Public Library has a wealth of local history resources that you can use? From old yearbooks to newspaper archives to genealogy databases, you can find it all here. Located on the second floor of the Advanced Learning Library, our knowledgeable staff can help you with every task, from finding newspaper articles that made Wichita history to researching your family tree. For more information, visit wichitalibrary.org forward slash research slash local history. Before we wrap up today's episode, let's listen to three reading recommendations for Category 6 from our Wichita Public Library staff. Hello, my name is Cassie and I'm part of the programming team here at the Wichita Public Library. Today I'm going to talk about a fiction book based on mythology, Category 6 of Read ICT. My recommendation is The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Classical historian Miller not only tells Homer's well-known and beloved tale of the Trojan War, but presents it in such a way that readers are immediately transported to ancient Greece, meeting gods and goddesses and legendary characters such as Apollo, Athena, Helen of Troy, Odysseus, Hector, and the Trojan War's ensuing tragedy. This age-old tale of Greece's greatest hero, Achilles, is given a new twist by Miller. The point of view is told from Patroclus, Achilles' great and beloved friend. I think this uniqueness is what I loved most about the book. We all know the legend, and we know the end. But Miller, through Patroclus, presents through elegant yet simple prose the story with a different dimension when we see the deeply conflicted brave warrior Achilles choosing his tragedy, enriched by layers of love and friendship. Author Rick Ryden, author of the amazing Percy Jackson and the Olympian series, says, Patroclus, in a Hemingway-like directness, cuts through the legend of the hero and shows the mortal side of the demigod. The Song of Achilles can serve as an introduction or counterpoint to the study of the Iliad. It certainly made the story new and vibrant for me, despite how many times I've read Homer. For more reading recommendations, visit wichitalibrary.org slash read ICT. My name is Misty, and I'm a technology trainer at the Advanced Learning Library. And this is my recommendation for Read ICT's Category 6, a book based on mythology or folklore called Dark Fever by Karen Marie Moaning. Meet Michaela Lane, Mac for short, a small town Georgia native that has very little worries in her pretty pink world, up until Mac's family gets a call from Dublin, Ireland, reporting her sister has been murdered. Soon after, Mac realizes her sister had left a frantic voice message warning Mac she needed to get to Dublin and find the Sinsar Du. After learning Dublin's police force is no longer searching for her sister's murderer, Mac has had enough and leaves Georgia for Dublin. Not long after landing, Mac learns in Dublin, outside appearances cannot be trusted, and she is one of the few that can see the monsters within. Mac learns she is one of a few sea seers, a group of women with special abilities and the capability to see the, the seely and unseely fae left in existence. What's more, Mac has the capability to track the disastrous Sinsar Du, which catches the attention of two foreboding men after it. Mac is left wondering if she can find the book that can possibly destroy the world first and locate her sister's murderer before something disastrous happens to her. Dark Fever is the first book in a large adult fiction series, deep with Irish and Scottish mythology and folklore. This has been my recommendation for Category 6. For more reading recommendations, visit wichitalibrary.org forward slash read ICT. My name is Michelle from the Wichita Public Library Circulation Department, and my pick for read ICT Category 6, Mythology and Folklore, is Cassandra Speaks by Elizabeth Lesser. The title comes from the myth of Cassandra. Apollo granted her the gift of prophecy, but when she refused his advances, he cursed her and said that she would not be believed. 
the subtitle of the book is When Women Are the Storytellers, the Human Story Changes. And the author talks about finding the place in yourself to have the strength to speak up. And also finding the place in yourself where you listen to others and listen and look at things from a different point of view. For more reading recommendations for Read ICT, go to wichitalibrary.org forward slash read ICT. And that about does it for another episode of Read, Return, Repeat. We hope you enjoy exploring Category 6 with us. The show notes will have a complete list of the books and films mentioned today. You can request any of these books by calling 316-261-8500 or visiting wichitalibrary.org. Keeping in with the theme of today's episode, we thought it would be cool to leave you with a poem by Black Bear Boson, famed local artist behind our beloved Keeper of the Plains and so many other cool pieces you can find at the Mid-America All Indian Museum. It is with their permission that we share this poem with you today. The Challenge by Black Bear Boson, Kiowa and Comanche. In the days when creatures like this bear roamed the Great Plains, in the days when the buffaloes were plenty, stories were told and retold about happenings such as the hunters viewed from atop a hill. The stories said how they fought and also how they did not, for no one ever became a victor. So it was when the two came face to face with mutual instinct knowing both their strengths to be conserved for their kind to continue to survive. But to satisfy their individual spirits, the ritual of battle had to be enacted as prescribed. And only when their fire had been consumed would they walk away from one another, each a victor, each a lord on his domain. Only the foolish challenges the laws of nature. Thank you to the Mid-America All Indian Museum for allowing us to share that poem with you. Thank you to That Native Thomas for talking with us today. To participate in the Read ICT Reading Challenge, please visit wichitalibrary.org slash readict. Stay connected with other Read ICT participants on the Read ICT Challenge Facebook page. Find out what's trending near you, post book reviews, look for local and virtual events, and share book humor with like-minded folks. To join the group, search hashtag ReadICTChallenge on Facebook and click join. You can follow this podcast through the Anchor app or stream episodes on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share with all your friends. This has been a production of the Wichita Public Library. And a big thanks goes out to our production crew and podcast team.